Hello, I'm Gavin Horgan, Headmaster of Millfield School in Somerset, the largest co-educational boarding school in the UK. Welcome to the Millfield Way podcast. Here, you'll hear from teachers, coaches and students from Millfield and Millfield Prep School. Millfield is traditionally different, and this is the Millfield Way. Hello and welcome to this Millfield Way podcast, in conversation with Gary Henderson. My name's Liz Webb, and for this episode, I'm joined by the Director of IT, Gary Henderson. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Now, it's a big job, Director of IT, in a school the size of Millfield. And I saw that on your LinkedIn profile, you refer to yourself as an EdTech geek, and you were recently a finalist in the Global EdTech Awards 2023. Congratulations. Thank you. How long have you been here, and can you tell us a bit about your career background? Um, right, well, um, I've been with Millfield now about eight years, um, joining in 2015. Um, I, I actually came to Millfield from, I, I was working out in the, the Middle East as an educational consultant out there, because um, my original kind of background, um, I originally qualified as a, a, a secondary technology teacher in Scotland back in the, the late 90s. Oh, God, that sounds like, you know, seems so long ago now. <laughs> Um, before, it, at the time, there was a kind of dearth of people um, teaching kind of computing, you know, programming, etc. in England. So um, I then moved kind of south of the border as a qualified teacher to teach kind of computing and IT in a, an FE college. Um, you know, there I sort of progressed, you know, originally basically as a, a teacher then as a kind of course leader and then eventually became head of school for computing and computing and IT before the a short spell returning back to secondary schools um, and that was a bit of a shock to the system after kind of I think it was about eight years working in an FE college you know with 16 to 19 year olds and then I suddenly found myself back um, you know sat in front of a, a bunch of year sevens that was definitely a shock to the system. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, as I say, Middle East, uh, originally to work with teachers, um, you know, supporting teachers, teaching computing and IT. But at the time, when I got out there, some of the schools, um, their, their, their IT setup was very, very poor. You know, they, they basically the schools didn't have any network at all. They might have had internet access, but it was to one room. So I suddenly because I had a bit of a technical background as well as the teaching side of things, I set to work at trying to help them, um, you know, basically set up basic networks and, you know, provide internet across classrooms, um, in the IT labs, etc. And and before I knew I, I knew it, I was working with 40 or 50 schools. Not long after that, I was working with them, brand new schools that were just being built, you know, so actually designing the IT infrastructure um, from scratch. And then that led me to Millfield. And so what attracted you to the role at Millfield? Um, I think, I, I mean, part of it was, um, you know, a return to the UK was part of it. Um, I think in the Middle East, um, as I say, I was an educational consultant, so I was working with a lot of different schools and, and that sort of meant um, dividing your time. So you might have half a day in one school, then off to another school, and two days there, then off to another school. And in that division, I was looking for something that would involve, that, that I could really kind of make a mark with, focus on one school. And so the Millfield opportunity came up. Um, I think the other thing about Millfield was that, you know, Millfield had a one-to-one scheme from 2012, you know, one-to-one iPads. 
and that as you know as a school that was quite early on you know although lots of schools are now going one-to-one devices these days you know especially post-pandemic um back then there were very very few schools doing it and the fact that Millfield was one of the kind of the earlier schools doing it that sort of piqued my interest it was to me it was a school looking to kind of drive technology use forward and 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 that's always been one of the things that you know in my career today has been you know looking at the potential as a first of all as a teacher then as a, a kind of manager you know as a, a you know, network manager director of IT looking at the potential for technology to, to enhance teaching and learning to um, enhance the efficiency of schools um, and, and basically to drive things forward. Fantastic. And you're really active on social media in relation to EdTech. Um, and you write articles for many industry publications and blogs. And I know you speak at conferences. How important is it for IT managers in schools to keep up to date with the IT scene? I, th- I think it's critical. I mean, I mean, not just, you know, on the, the kind of IT technical side, technology is moving on. Um, so the potential to, you know, to impact positively education is moving on. There's also the kind of cyber risk, which is moving on. We have to keep an awareness of that. Um, so it's constantly changing and it, therefore it's really, really important to try and stay up to date with that. I mean, one of the things I'm, you know, I, I'm also a, a, an association of network managers and education ambassador, which is all about um, getting the kind of the, the IT technical staff, director of IT, IT technicians, network managers and sharing, you know, so that's sharing across schools and colleges basically throughout the, you know, throughout England and throughout the UK. Um because collectively, um, you know, we, we are far, far better off than we are individually. And I think, again, that's that's why I'm kind of active in social media and whatever, because I, I think it's really, really important to be sharing because collectively, I mean, I, I, I've now worked in, you know, international schools, independent schools. I've worked in, um, you know, state secondaries, you know, further education and higher education. Um all of the sectors are slightly different. They all have their context, but a lot of the challenges are very, very similar. Mm. And therefore, the more we can actually share with each other, the collectively better off we actually are. And I imagine that you're bombarded with um, new technology on a daily basis almost. Um, so how do you decide um, what things you would like to implement here? And, and what have you introduced at Millfield during the last few years? Um, I, th- I think you're right. You do get bombarded with a lot of. Um, I think my my email inbox um, fills very very quickly, and and a lot of it is just salespeople trying to sell the latest thing, and and a lot of it is quite often kind of snake oil. Uh, the snake oil at the moment is is you know artificial intelligence, and every single you know solution has AI in it, even when quite often it doesn't. Um, so really it's about just being able to have a look at things, make a quick judgment and and prioritise the things that sound kind of more interesting um, or, or have greater potential. In terms of Millfield, I think the, the big thing for, you know, for us uh, for, as a school, I think, is was first of all the kind of the big shift to the cloud. Um, so that is basically moving to you know, cloud services like you know, Office 365 and Google. And and the fact that that then allows the kind of sharing, collaboration, etc. Um, now that was kind of critical. We we were moving before the pandemic happened, but the fact we were there, I think I looked at the statistics, and I think within Microsoft Teams, for example, part of the Office three six five suite, 
um, we had, I think it was 60,000 hours of live teaching going on during during the pandemic, which was enabled by that cloud, um, those cloud services, that those productivity suites. Mm. Um, so I think that was that was kind of a very, very large thing. I mean, at the moment, some of the things we're looking at is obviously the use of artificial intelligence and looking at how we can... Um, you know, support teachers through through that, and um, looking at also how it can be used in teaching and learning. Um, so I think that's that's quite an interesting area. Um, esports is another you know another thing we've been involved with that for a number of years. And, you know, the esports industry is is huge. I think it's it's bigger than um, the film industry and the music industry put together. Um, and e esports within schools isn't about you know, making students to become, you know, into the the the, the top esports gamer because there are very few of them in the world. But it's about the skills that they learn, the communication, resilience, teamwork, leadership. It's about that, much in the same way that that is an important thing about conventional sports. Um, so I think that's one of the other kind of big things we've, we've introduced in recent years. And am I right in thinking that you've set up a, an esports league with various other schools? Yes, we've, we've, as, as a school, we've been part of, of the, the British Esports Federation's Champions, Champs Tournament, which is basically a, a kind of UK-wide with schools and colleges. But we also set up our, our own, with the support of the, the British Esports Federation, um, our, our own kind of independent schools um, competition. That was a couple of years ago. And, and we routinely, you know... Um, uh, speak with other schools and have arranged friendlies. I mean, that is something I see as kind of growing um, in the years ahead. And, you know, looking at, you know, maybe whether within our kind of inter the school's enterprises programme, whether we can actually have a specific esports programme on offer. So that's that's something looking to the future. Fantastic. And I mean, AI, you've already mentioned it a couple of times. It's a massive topic of conversation at the moment in the media, within schools, within people's homes. Um, there's lots of scaremongery and constantly evolving new ways of using AI. What's your take on it? I think you're right about this. There is certainly a lot of scaremongering. Um, I wonder if we've all watched The Terminator a few too, <laughs> few too many times. Um, the, the reality is, for me, AI is here. It's here now. Um, and, and like a lot of technologies, it's, you know, the, AI is at its worst point now because the vendors will constantly be improving it and it will get better and better. And we have two choices within education. We can stand around discussing it and the risks and worrying about it, or we can actively get involved and look to kind of shape its use. And I think that's the way we have to go. You know, yes, there are risks and challenges around artificial intelligence. And and the, the discussion at the moment is very much about generative AI. And I think what one of the things that worries me about the, the, the kind of scaremongering is, is that I sometimes think they start talking about general AI, which I still think is a little bit of a way off, you know, the, the commander data or the or the Skynet from the Terminator taking, you know, becoming sentient and taking over. Um, our generative AI doesn't quite work that way. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm not so worried there. So it's about understanding the risks. So generative AI, it tends towards averages. It, 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 um, it can be inaccurate at times. Bias is a risk. Being aware of those 
but then seeking to then shape the positive uses, you know, the benefits. You know, can it help those students that have, you know, special educational needs that struggle to, to start with writing an essay? Well, AI can provide them some of the, the basic points. Students with foreign languages that need help with translation. And actually, we've been using AI for that, for kind of translation, for, for quite a while now. Mm. Um, it's those kind of uses. Um, and so how can we use it to enhance education and what kind of conversations are going on um, in school at the moment? I know there is a there is a management IT group um, called ITMAN. Um, what do you guys talk about on a, on a weekly basis? Well, the, the IT management group, um, ITMAN, basically is a, it's a steering group. You know, so, so our, our, you know, our aim is to discuss the, the technologies and then make recommendations to, to you know, the senior leadership team, the executive group, regarding things we should be doing. Um, so sometimes the discussions are, you know, operational, you know, looking at kind of the permissions, who has access to what, and other times it's kind of looking more, you know, strategic and much more long term. So looking at things like, you know, artificial intelligence and how we might be able to use it. So how it can be used by teachers in the classroom. And I think one of the things we've recognised quickly was that the students were going to be using it anyway. Um, I think by the end of March, um, our, about half of our students were using it on a daily basis. So, you know, if, if that's going to be the case, how do we make sure it's used um, constructively, ethically, you know, safely? And the, from the IT management group, a, an, IT, uh, an AI working party was formed. And one of the things they quickly identified was the need to build awareness. So to actually speak to teachers and say, this is what generative AI is. Here are some examples. You know, here's your chat GPT. Here's your mid journey, etc. Um, here are some of the benefits and some of the ideas you might be able to, ways you might be able to use it. And here are some of the risks you need to be aware of. So, you know, building that awareness among teachers and equally actually sitting down with the students and, and saying to them the same. And it's funny, you know, I, I know I've, I've spoken to students um, on kind of ChatGPT and their first kind of reaction is, I've been caught using ChatGPT. <laughs> and when I've turned around and said, so how are you using it? What are you using it for? Oh, that's quite a good use. So, right, you do need to be aware of these risks. The students been quite, have been quite surprised. You know, they, they think it's something that, that you know, um, teaching staff and you know um, and other school staff would want not to be used it's here we need to use it positively fantastic and and what you have a quite a large team um, here at Millfield and obviously you cover Millfield prep and Millfield pre-prep um, so it's, it's a big operation um, tell us a bit about the size of your team and what type of things do they get asked most on a daily basis well, as I say, we we do have a big team um, that that deals with a variety of things, you know. So so in terms of the the network infrastructure and managing, you know, basically a large number of thousands, you know, of devices connected at any one time, we have the you know the kind of end user support dealing with the issues as and when they arise. We have the kind of audio, you know, the the creative technologies that deal with the kind of the large AV setups within our theatre and music hall, etc. Um, and we also have, you know, um, software developers developing solutions for us. Um, in terms of the things we we deal with on a regular basis, it's very, very varied. And I, I think that's one of the, the great things about the job is that it is so varied. Um, yes, we do get in September that I forgot my password um, <laughs> and I can't log in to X, Y and Z. 
Um, but I think every school gets that in September, to be honest. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and, I mean, some families that we speak to, um, thinking about coming to Millfield, um, they are concerned about the amount of screen time that their children have nowadays, whether it's screen time um, in the classroom doing work that's now online or using an iPad or a laptop, um, but also then the screen time that they have in their leisure time with their own devices. So, and you have children yourselves. What do you think about this, the screen time balance argument? I think the balance argument is the right argument. And, and, and I think in, in all technology use, as I say, I've, I, you know, I was a teacher. Um, I've never advocated that everybody must use technology. Um, there are times to actually, you know, scribble on bits of paper. You know, I love, I used to love using post-it notes in lessons. Um, there has to be a balance. And I think that's very, very important. I think the screen time argument, though, um, it, it's a little bit more nuanced than quite often it's made out. It isn't about screen time. The, the amount of time you spend on the screen, you know, I think there's bits of research that back up that doesn't actually matter. It's what you're doing with that screen time. You know, if a student is using, you know, ChatGPT, for example, to to take a piece of written work and improve that piece of writing or is using technology to do some research, that screen time has a different value than sitting, spending the time on the the same amount of time on screen um, surfing through TikTok. So... Screen time is a very, very simplistic, you know, way of looking at it. It's it's what they're doing with the screen, what they're doing with that time, and and how they're interacting with the technology. I think is the key, you know. And is it just simply consuming content, or is it actually engaging, collaborating? And I, I mean, I mentioned esports. You know, a lot of, you know, um, I think a lot of parents sometimes have concern about you know gaming, online gaming. Um, and I think, yes, there, there is a fine balance to be had there between too much, you know, on, you know, gaming. But there's also the benefits in terms of that collaboration, communication, resilience built up, you know, where, where, where children, you know, um, play, a, play a match against others and their team loses. And then they come back together and have a discussion about how they can do better. Then they pick themselves up and go into the next game and try a different strategy. There's a lot of benefits in that. Mm. So, so I, I think, it, you know, really there, there is a need for balance. But I think the screen time thing, it's not just about how long, it's what they're doing. And I think that's, that's down to parents to can maybe have engage and have that discussion and talk to the you know, children about what, what they're actually doing. Mm. And I imagine in your role, um, you play a big part in um, online safety with our um, community here. So. Um, clearly at Milford we have over a thousand borders when you um, add to Milford prep borders as well as the borders at Milford. So a, a large community that are living on site um, 24-7 during term time. Um, how do we keep them safe and how do we protect them? I think the answer to that is it's very much a layered approach. You know, so there are technical measures and then there are more human and pastoral measures. So obviously, you know, as is required, we have the kind of filtering and monitoring in place to make sure that student, you know, to monitor what students are doing and and for inappropriate content to filter that out. Um, but it's it's also about you know sharing some of that data down to our you know um, the um, housemasters, um, so that they're they're aware. Of, of you know what's going on so that they can then have the discussions with the students and I think that's the key really it's, it's those discussions um, 
between the staff and the students as to you know where there are concerns etc it's not you know the technical aspects of it the filtering and monitoring is part of it but that can never be foolproof the internet moves far far too quickly for that it's that human interaction side of things and and that interface between the the data that you know um, our filtering might produce and then passing that on to somebody who can then follow that up in person with students. And I guess also those practical behaviours in house where um, before bed the, the pupils' students have to um, put their devices or, or what we tell them is that we're charging them for them overnight so they put them in the cabinets which means that they're not in their bedrooms and they're not using them at night time and um, that's the case for the majority of year groups um, until you get to the very older years isn't it? Yeah, and I think you, you you know you raise the point about the kind of the year groups, and that is the other thing. It is scaled, um, you know, according to the the age of the students. So, for example, you know, we we have bring you and you know, um, slightly different rules in the senior school to at the prep school. Within the higher years of the prep, it's bring your own device, year seven and eight. But at year six, the school provides a device. At year five, it's school and devices shared by the school with a, an even greater level of filtering and and, and control on the devices so it, it, you know we, we do have that kind of layer but also that that staggered approach based on the ages of the students um, and I think we've, you've, you've always got to balance it out um, we, you know what we don't want to do what we want to prepare the students to be you, you know living in the online world and the digital world if we block uh, you know um, things too aggressively then then we take away the opportunities for students to learn and we take away the, the opportunities for research, etc. And it's it's you know finding that kind of fine balance. And I know from um, conversations we've had previously, um, one of your favourite things to say is that the t- decisions are risk based. So everything that you look at and and how you make decisions around IT and and everything within the school, it's all risk based. Um, there there are often no hard and fast rules. If you do this, this will stop this, or if you do that, it won't stop it. Um, so. On that note, what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> I, th- I think, um, you know, I, I think anybody in a senior job in IT, cyber security is going to be top of that list. Yeah. Um, just because we, we, you know, we live in a world where, um, you know, there are increasing kind of cyber threats and, and where technology is moving quickly and adoption of technology, therefore... Um, through greater adoption of technology, this footprint of your data and your usage is getting larger, which therefore you know gives attackers a greater space to kind of attack. Um, I think again, though, you know, as you said, it's down to that. It's risk based assessment. There, there is no one. You know, there's no one solution. There is no magic bullet. If we found the magic bullet, um, we could sell that one on and be rich, very rich. Um, the the reality is, it's just approaching it. You know from a, a risk-based point of view. Um, I think, you know, the, the other thing, obviously we mentioned the safeguarding side of things and that, obviously, um, that's always something that's on my mind, but not just the safeguarding side of things, it's the digital citizenship side of things and how do we prepare the students to live in a technology world, you know, in the technology world? How do we um, prepare them to actually consider the implications of social media you know what is the potential that social media could influence their behavior you know through you know big data etc um and 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 that's something as i say that that is is a concern of mine um and something within the school i think we're, we're kind of trying to work um towards addressing by providing um 
the you know students kind of um, information and content you know um you know um bits of advice around the risks there um where at the moment within the, the kind of uk curriculum there's very little space for that um, but we're finding some space to allow that to be you know talked about fantastic um and so what's the next big thing do you think gary what's the next big thing we're going to be introducing here or that's going to be um affecting us all it's, it's quite difficult to work out what the next big thing is when actually the next big thing's possibly here which is <laughs> ai really um i know the funny thing is ai research has been going on for a long long time so it's actually nothing new um the, the new bit is the fact it's now accessible to pretty much everybody you know, and and that's the thing with ChatGPT, with Midjourney, and with all of the you know Dali and all of the other solutions. So I I think it's a bit difficult to work out what the thing will be beyond this because we're in the throes of this. And I I feel, you know, the pandemic was a massive catalyst for technology use in schools because schools had to use technology. Yeah. That that was just the way it is. AI I think is possibly an even bigger catalyst of change. Um. So I'm not sure what comes after AI, um, but I, I do think it's very interesting times we now live in because of AI and the potential is, is massive. And finally, uh, what would be your three takeaways to our listeners about EdTech at Millfield? Um, I think, you know, I think the, the big thing that, that um, I'd say would be the embedded nature of technology here. I, I recently... Um, took a kind of wander around into a number of kind of lessons and and it, it was just the the kind of naturalness of of teachers teaching with technology and students using technology you know there, there was no there was no requirement for the teacher to say now you know click here click there it, it was just natural it was almost seamless and that that to me is the best use of technology when it becomes almost transparent I'll equally say I went into other lessons where students were in groups scribbling on whiteboards on the wall, um, and I think that is that is you know exactly where we want to be with educational technology. The educational technology is is sometimes um, sometimes we fall for the next shiny thing, yeah. um, and we need to ask that you know having value. And I think we've got the embedded nature of it, um, kind of an interest. And I think. AI for us will be very, very interesting. It's definitely something, as I say, we've got a working party looking at it. We've got a more, you know, a strategic group looking at it. And, you know, within my team, we're we're doing some experiments regarding potential AI use here. Um, a third item, I, th- I, I suppose the third item really is that, that digital citizenship. Um, I think that has to sh- make, you know, form a greater part of the curriculum. There, there has to be more of it. Um, because the students are, you know, online gaming. They are um, using social media. Um, they are, you know, signing up to apps and giving away data. Do they know the implications of, you know, if they've been involved in a data breach and can they find that out? I know when I speak to students, they're quite often surprised when I show them the data breaches they've been, you know, where their data has been um, leaked potentially. Um, I think that's the, that's probably the third thing that that's going to be one of the key areas for driving forward. Thank you so much for um, giving me the time um, today, Gary, to go through this. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Millfield Way podcast in conversation with Gary Henderson. Thank you and goodbye.